We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking 2024 free agent running backs on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Curtis, joined by Dave. It's NFL Combine Week. And there's, there's plenty of that stuff, you know, going on, but we got to really wait until Friday before it starts getting somewhat interesting, right? The tight end for fantasy. Anyway, the, yes. the tight ends are going to work out Friday, Dave on Saturday. We've got uh, the, the quarterbacks, the running backs and the wide receivers. And next week is just going to be full of, all right, Hey, the next layer of analysis of the rookies. And so we wanted to take a pause on that because we've really been focused on the rookies here the past couple of weeks. And this is also a big week for free agent developments. The agents know that there's a lot of activity and interest in uh, around roster construction from NFL GMs. There's plenty of people mingling and lingering uh, in Indianapolis. And so this is a time where uh, free agent destinations become clear, where trades can be made. It's not just about the scouting that's going on of the incoming class. And so in today's episode, we're going to t- take a look at the running backs. We're going to take a look at the wide receivers in our next episode this week. And we're going to layer in a little bit of context. How do the free agents fit into the picture of uh, the incoming rookie class? What are some of the teams that actually need the players that are available uh, in free agency? And then also give you just our kind of quick high level take on, are we interested at these free agents at underdog best ball uh, ADP or at current dynasty startup? ADP. So Dave, let's get a drop and let's talk about the teams with a need at the running back position. All right. So earlier today on NFL.com, uh, this is kind of just good fodder for conversation. They, they dropped a team needs list. So in the, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, these are teams that uh, were listed as having running back as a top five positional need on their roster on NFL.com, Dave. So uh, it's the Chargers, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Browns, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Raiders, the Titans, and the Patriots. Now, as one might imagine, a lot of these teams are teams that have a free agent running back that they did not sign, hence the need. But a couple of these teams 
are not necessarily in that scenario. Maybe they have an injured player, you know, some cut candidates, et cetera. Some of these offenses are pretty exciting. So I think this is a good list. We also have some coaching changes amongst the teams on this list. So there could be some scheme changes. It really is interesting to think about the potential landing spots. Uh, but before we can even do that, we've got to run down, you know, the available players. So Dave's got three guys that he picked out. I've got three guys that I picked out. Dave's going to talk to us about Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, and Tony Pollard. I'm going to talk about Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, and DeAndre Swift. And then we will, you know, we'll figure out what we're going to do with these guys. Um, Dave, anything notable uh, in reaction to the list of players or the list of teams? Uh, well, just uh, I think the, the first thing that kind of stands out to me is this is a really interesting group of backs. We're kind of at a point now where we expect things to kind of start turning over with a lot of these names. Otherwise, we've been making our way through the process of evaluating the rookies this year. Curtis, we've realized that the free agent uh, class this year at running back is going to be pretty important. Yeah, that that's a great note, actually, Dave. Um, I'm looking here at the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Draft Guide. And in our our pre-combine Superflex tight end premium rankings, we only have one running back in our top 12. And he's actually going to be coming off an injury. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> it, it it is wide open for some. I think, you know, some of these back, the, the first thing is some of these free agent backs have had good careers already. You know, they're, they're good players. Um, and they may not be as efficient as they were early, early on in their career, but they're good players. And, you know, they, they're brand name commodities that, you know, would be potential, you know, fan favorite signings for, you know, GMs that are looking to make a splash in Jersey sales, et cetera. Um, but, you know, beyond that, it's just, we don't know what we're going to have with these running backs. We can get excited in the fantasy community about, you know, a peripheral metric here or there. It's looking like we're not going to have that bulletproof prospect at the position. And so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely room for some of these free agents to hit. Even if you look at the one QB tight end premium uh, rankings in the guide, we only have two running backs in the top 12. So that, that gives you a lot of, you know, context, even when you pull all the, the quarterbacks out there of the first round, which you would in, in a one QB uh, format for the most part, only two guys sneak in. So if you want to see uh, some of the context for why these running backs are rated just a little bit lower or who the guys we think are values in like round two of rookie drafts, you can check out volume one of the rookie guide. Just go to rotoviz.com. It is the top uh, top on the menu bar right now. 1999 gets you all three volumes easy to download. You get the updates as soon as they're available. You can read volume one before the combines over this week. And volume two will be out next week with all of our athletic measurement updates. All right, Dave, I think you get to go first do, with yes. Saquon Barkley. Okay, so Saquon Barkley had a couple of spike games last year, Curtis. He was an RB1 43% of the time, but these games that he had where he was an RB1 were enough to propel him up to finishing as the RB8 in terms of PPR per game. He was also number seven in expected points per game. We did see him finishing eight in attempts, 15th in targets with the Giants. If you go back now, uh, to his 23 and his 22 season, you'll actually see that um, those two seasons were significantly better than uh, his 2021 season where he was an RB1 
in just three games was an RB one six, uh, or yeah, six times last year, Curtis. So we did see a pretty good showing from Barkley. Um, we've kind of reached that point in the career though, where I think a little bit of the luster that Saquon had has certainly, uh, been wiped away still though. I think that you're looking at a guy that should be kind of flirting with the possibility of being on the fringe of an RB one on most of the teams that he's going to be on next year. And I think you could make a case for a couple of these landing spots being places where we still see him doing some of the things we've expected Saquon to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And we've also seen, uh, we've read and heard the chatter that he's actually been talking with CJ Stroud. He's like, get me to Houston, um, which yes. is pretty cool. So a, a back that we didn't mention that is actually, he's on the list, but we didn't uh, allow him to make the cut for timeliness reasons of the episode was Devin Singletary. So the Texans don't have running back listed as a top five need uh, by NFL.com for the purposes of this article, but with Singletary being an outgoing free agent and Damian Pierce looking like a uh, somewhat inefficient and um, incomplete back at this point. Um, and the Texans having just tons of money to spend. Yes. Um, you can imagine why they would be interested in a guy like Saquon. So, so Dave, where's Barkley going in, in current best ball drafts uh, for context and maybe mention you know, the back going right before him and right after him. Sure. So he's going um, at an ADP of around 22.8. So he's being sandwiched between a Chan and ETN. Um, okay. I would be, I'm, I'm out. I, I mean, I'm at least, I would take ETN before Barkley, regardless of landing spot at, at this point. I assume you agree. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think we saw a really good year from uh, ETN last year and that team in general. So I think, you know, we continue to see that progress forward, uh, you know, for ETN. Unfortunately, with Barkley, I think we're at the point unless he lands in the perfect situation here where you're just going to have to expect him to decline a little bit. Okay, so so for for best ball guidance on Barkley, we're at least saying we'd like to see a little bit of ADP correction. Yep. Uh, and, and, and maybe that doesn't even maybe that doesn't even you know, change after, you know, he lands with, with a team. I yeah. mean, on, yeah. on, the, on the list that we talked about, you know, the, the Cowboys, the Browns and the chiefs would be the really exciting spots. I think uh, for, for Saquon, because you could see him potentially catching some passes in those offenses. Uh, if you were to land with, you know, the Titans or the Ravens uh, you know, I'm not so sure that we're going to see the, right. You know, the target volume that, that we would want to see, the Chargers offense, we think, is going to, is you know, run it a lot, but at the same time, probably not feature the backs in the passing game quite as much. He's We've already seen what he could do with the Giants, and he's getting worse year after year statistically. And, you know, for the Eagles and the Raiders, I mean, the Eagles didn't pass to the back too much last year, and the Raiders had a back who was better than Saquon Barkley that we're going to talk about uh, in this episode later. So I'm not sure why we'd project Saquon to outperform. Uh, that back there. So I, I think the only way that Saquon could convince me to draft him where he's currently going would to get that Cowboys, Browns, or Chiefs landing spot. And even then we would need to see what happens with these other guys. Yeah, the advanced metrics on him, not really that great either uh, as well, which is you know not a good sign here. So who do you have next on the list, the, the list Curtis? Well, the last thing that we want to do is talk the dynasty ah, angle. Right. Um, because... You know, Dynasty actually does a, a little bit better with with running backs in terms of a, adjusting before it's too late. 
Yep. And so I, I think that this is important for the best ball ADP as well, because we can, we can take some of the the knowledge that the dynasty community has and then, you know, cross check the redraft assumption. So Saquon's current dynasty ADP and, and we don't have any FFPC startup data yet because we're kicking off those startups here in, in you know, just another week or two. So I'm, I'm using my buddy Ryan McDowell's mock draft ADP from over at DLF. Uh, Ryan still runs four mock drafts every single month. And so I've got the, the latest ADP from Ryan here. Saquon's going RB10 in Dynasty Startups, but his ADP, Dave, in Superflex is 55.25. Uh, and he's sandwiched between Kenneth Walker and James Cook. He is uh, he's going a full round later than Travis Etienne in, in, in this format. That feels more appropriate to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's hard not to agree. Um, you know, I think we might see a, a minor shakeup depending on the landing spot. But, um, you know, I, I even even then I wouldn't expect us to see too big of a change. Uh, converting to one QB since that's a better apples to apples with uh, with the underdog here. His dynasty startup ADP in, in one QB is 37.33. So he's going to round and a half later uh, there than in, in underdog. And again, he is sandwiched between Walker and James Cook still in that exercise. Yep. All right. I want to talk about Austin Eckler. Now, Eckler is a little older than, than Saquon even. Has, you know has had a more elite career um, to date than, than Barkley. But, you know, one thing that's nice about Eckler too is, you know, he did maintain some of that really high end production up until this past season. And so that does paint a picture of hope, you know, maybe outlier level hope for some of these other guys that they're a little bit more advanced in age, but Eckler over the last three years was RB two, then RB one. And then it fell off in 2023. It was RB 24 uh, by counting. He was, uh, RB five and expected points per game, but he was only RB 20 in PPR per game. And you know, what really drove that was this was Eckler's first time in the past five seasons that he was an inefficient fantasy back. Uh, in the prior years, he averaged, you know, around 50, uh, 45 to 50 fantasy points over expectation each season. In 2023, he had negative 34.3. So he was RB 136 in fantasy efficiency, Dave. And that is a big old fat warning sign. As we know from Blair and Andrews' research over the years at, at Rotoviz, running backs just tend to get more, or I guess less and less efficient from the time they enter the league. And the wheels are officially off here with Eckler. You know, of course, he was battling some injury as well. And, you know, I think the court of public opinion has kind of, um, shamed him a bit because of, you know, some unfortunate clips where he didn't look to be running as fast as, as he, you know, potentially used to, I think he'll be, he'll be more, he'll be healthier next year. And I think he could still have a role for a team that wants a pass catcher, but you know, he's probably looking at complementary level work. And there's also a range of outcomes where a player like him that just doesn't look the same anymore is just, just evaporates into dust. I mean, that's what essentially happened with Dalvin cook. Right. And he's, you know, he's really not, any, you know, less far removed from stardom than Dalvin Cook was, you know, last year when, you know, everything kind of fell apart for him. So looking at his uh, per game, he did have five RB1 weeks last year. In each of those weeks, he did score over 20 PPR. But in every other game, the rest of the year, he failed to even crest 12 PPR. And he had five, yeah, five games under 10 PPR. 
that is just brutal. Now, the hope would be that, you know, maybe if he does fit with the right team and gets the receiving work, that he could extend his career and have some NFL utility that not necessarily super useful for uh, fantasy. I mean, he was still second in yak per reception amongst running backs with 10.2 yards after catch per reception. And he was RB5 with a 15% team target percentage. Um, so he's probably best served if he just, you know, gets a third down change of pace roll yep. and you know, maybe carve out another year or two. Uh, yeah, it's, di- it's, it's difficult with Eckler, man. I don't think he's commanding the same premium as Barkley though. Why don't you tell us where he's going in best ball? Yeah. So currently in best ball now, he's all the way back with an ADP of 77. That makes him the RB 22. He is going between Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard. Uh, two other names that have had some glory over the over the years, but are kind of now in in a new tier as well. Chubb, though, I guess maybe there's a conversation that you know he's still mm. still Chubb. That's one we'll have to come back to and revisit. I think he's an interesting case now. So he's going between Chubb and Pollard. Yep. I th- I think I would take. Uh, I I take both of them ahead of him. Yeah, it would be at least a coin flip for Chubb until we have better injury information. But I I would definitely take Pollard ahead of him for sure. But but I'm I think Pollard I'm comfortable with maybe in that range right now. I think the other two guys I would I would want to wait later. I would I'd fade them both at at ADP and Dynasty. As you can imagine, uh, Eckler has has fallen off way more precipitously. So he's he's going uh, in one QB dynasty startups and, and Ryan McDowell's ADP. He's currently going at 102.6, uh, 101st player overall. That's RB 30 sandwiched between Aaron Jones and Brian Robinson. I would much prefer Aaron Jones uh, to Austin Eckler at this point. Uh, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure there is, I, I think having him near Brian Robinson and dynasty, that's probably more where he belongs in best ball. Uh, honestly. So right. right. Uh, that's the correction to occur. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yep. So we do have a name here now that I think I would be more interested in, who is also an older player at this point. Uh, as people like to say, is a lot of tread on the tires given the work that he's done. That, Curtis, is Derek Henry. And when you go in and you look at the numbers, it's actually pretty staggering what uh, Derek Henry has been able to do. 
One of the first things that you look at is if you go into the Advanced Stats Explorer, we still see Derrick Henry finishing in the top 10 in evasion percentage. And that doesn't come just on a high broken tackle percentage. Actually has a uh, 7% missed tackle rate, which puts him in the same realm as a guy like Christian McCaffrey uh, or David Montgomery. Uh, So good stuff from him there at this point in his career. The advanced metrics still looking pretty strong. The other thing that I have to call out here, Curtis, is that he was an RB1 in 53% of games in 2023. Now, he had, um, looking at this quickly, six games where he just completely did not show up. Uh, In fact, five games where he was at 5.4 points or fewer. But he was so solid in the other games that he was an RB1 um, in nine games this year. He was an RB1 nine games last year. Still finishes number 17 in PPR per game. Was actually more efficient than his expected points. And when you start to take in what he actually did, I think it lends me to believe that of some of these older players we're talking about, there's still reason to believe that Henry can get it done in comparison to some of these other dudes. Yeah. I mean, Derek Henry is an all-time talent at the, at the position. Um, there's no doubt about it. And we, and we did see later career Adrian Peterson, who I think from a physical standpoint, it's fair to put uh, Henry kind of in that type of bucket. I yeah. mean, he's one of the all-time NFL physiques and athletes. Um you know, this, this isn't surprising. And I, I think it, this is a good exercise because it can be kind of tempting with all these guys to say, well, Hey, they're second or third contract. They're in their late twenties and basically just paint with a broad brush. You know, yeah. they're all in the same bucket. And then maybe you do throw the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. I, I do think that, you know, like if Derek, if Derek Henry landed on the Cleveland Browns, Oh my Lord. I mean, yeah. I mean, just so, so he, he would be, I think I would be more excited about, you know, Henry landing in a potential, you know, good team that's going to score touchdowns, having one or two more years where, you know, he could, he could really still be a, a pretty important fantasy asset. Now of the, of the teams that we listed here, it's going to be a pretty important, you know, that, that landing spot. I'm not sure that he seems like a, a scheme fit for the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, that would be pretty crazy uh, to see Derrick Henry, we're in uh, the Kansas city red there and, and all the touchdown potential. And, you know, maybe all of those short touchdowns that Pat Mahomes gets of, you know, inside five yards, all these shovel passes go to you know, become handoffs, but you know, the cow, the Cowboys and, and the Browns um, or even the rate, even the Ravens there, I would add to that list because Henry's never really made, made his living uh, as a pass catcher. Anyway, it's just, it's been pound it, pound it, pound it touchdowns, big play. Uh, and you know, I think that would certainly be possible in Baltimore. So why don't you tell us where Henry is going, uh, and, and underdog, I have a feeling maybe he is going to be the first one that I'm going to say I'd, I'd have some interest in. Yeah. So he's going at an ADP of 61.8, which makes him the 15th running back off the board. He is going between Jacobs and Camara. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it in the half PPR. I think. Um, and, and so he would be a player too, where, you know, if you wanted to start structurally with, you know, a couple of receivers and an early tight end, uh, three receivers and an early tight end, that type of thing. And then, and then go, um, you know, not, not, I mean, it's not even necessarily zero RB just to wait until, till round five, but 
you know, it's, it's something more than, than modified zero RB. Right. I mean, waiting for round five is still, you know, a, a pseudo fade on the position. So I, yeah, I kind of like, I like Henry here. I think I would be in at that ADP right now and, and hope for uh, the flush landing spot. What about you? Yeah, I think I, I think I'm, I'm definitely in there. I mean, there's reason to think that uh, he could outplay that by some degree. And I think that there's still a pretty good reason to believe that he should be able to approximate that, uh, you know, barring any unforeseen uh, circumstances. So people still recognizing him a little bit more uh, than some of these other players we've talked about. What from about, you know, from a dynasty perspective, what are we seeing right now? Yeah. So for dynasty, he's kind of one of the fun things, uh, one of the fun things in dynasty that, that we see with these type of players that are, you know, all decade type players is they, they become cells and then they become so cheap that they become buys again. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, and I think that's what's happened with, with Henry is it's like he maintained his value for so long, then he lost it all basically in one year. Mm-hmm. But now when you see, when you see a guy who's projecting as, you know, a round five redraft pick, but his dynasty ADP puts him in late round eight, I mean, with a, a one QB startup range of, of 91 overall RB 23, you know, you might be able to get Henry for like an early second round pick. And, um, you know, if you're holding your own early second round pick, you know, you're a rebuilding team. That's not a, a trade that you necessarily want to make. But if you own someone else's, you know, early to mid second round pick and you want to you want to buy Henry to fortify, you know, your competing team you could certainly do a lot worse. I mean, the other running backs that are going this range are uh, rookies, Jonathan Brooks and Trey Benson, which, you know, I think in a vacuum, you'd prefer those guys. But we've got them both as late first round picks in, in rookie ADP, but slightly behind them. You've got Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Jalen Warren, all, uh, and Aaron Jones and Eckler, all of these guys going within 12 picks. And I mean, like I would strongly prefer Derrick Henry to Eckler. I think I would, uh, 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 I think I would prefer Henry to Jalen Warren. Certainly I would, I would prefer him to uh, Mixon it might be a little bit more of an, a toss up with Camara, but we're not going to see a, a scenery change with Camara that would provide a boost with Henry. We might. And so like of the non rookies in this big kind of fat cohort here in the eighth and ninth round, I think Henry actually could gain just a little bit of dynasty value back this off season, um, which is kind of weird to say at age 30. So this has been a useful exercise for me because I have a ton of teams that are coming off, you know, titles in 2023, or runner-up appearances, and Henry might be the right type of back uh, to to take off, you know, somebody else's hands to to extend extend my window for a very cheap price. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I disagree with that, and it is uh, a case now where we're we're, we're seeing a, a shift back upward for Henry. I have to think, um, you know, maybe we can get ahead of that. Looks like you were going to say one more thing there before we moved on. No, we're going to move on to Josh Jacobs now. So 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 Josh Jacobs. Before we started this exercise, like in, in pre-production, I was thinking that we'd have this discussion and I'd be like, yeah, I'd probably be in on Jacobs. But as I'm looking at, as I'm looking at his dashboard here, he's looking an awful lot. Um, he's looking an awful lot like Barkley. And so I don't think that this is as bulletproof as, as maybe as I would have thought of. I, I think what, what I'm struggling with is 
in general, Jacobs has been, you know, kind of lagging to Barkley, both in redraft and dynasty valuation for like his entire, entire career. But he's really been better at approximating that or even beating that production. And so there's always been like this value and efficiency between Jacobs and Barkley. But but now when you look at them as free agents, you know, you know, maybe they are kind of like this in the same situation here. So Josh Jacobs, the context is heading into 2023, he was coming off of three straight RB1 seasons, including an RB3 overall in 2022. And, and things got a little ugly, you know, for multiple reasons. The quarterback was an absolute disaster position for Las Vegas last year. And, um, you know, the offense just really struggled. They went through a head coaching change, had an interim coach situation. So, you know, it was about as bad of a year as, as you can, you know, draw up for, you know, any offensive mm-hmm. uh, team. Um, Jacobs ends up playing 13 games. He's RB27 overall by counting stats. He was fourth RB4 in expected points per game and RB18 in PPR per game. So as you can imagine, you know, he's, you know, he's in the same bucket that we saw Barkley and Eckler with the negative fantasy efficiency, who is RB135 in fantasy points over expectation with negative 30.8. Uh, so th- that is not a good sign. He still was a high-end RB2 in Yak per reception at 7.9. Um, he actually had positive air yards per target, which we don't often see for running backs. Uh, I mean, it was only 0.7, but most running backs end up having <laughs> neutral negative air yards per target. And he was actually, he was a top 10 running back still on team target percentage. He had 14% team target share. Uh, in terms of his week-to-week performance, Jacobs had five top 12 weeks and eight top eight weeks. But this is, it's not, it's just not quite as exciting as Barkley. I guess we've seen elite production from, we've seen sustained elite production from a fantasy perspective from Jacobs more recently than we saw from Barkley. And we can give Jacobs like a team context excuse I mean, maybe we, we, you know, but I guess if we're going to give that, we've got to give that to Barkley times the last, you know, several years. Yeah. So, you know, it starts to get pretty subjective there. Um, what, what do you see from Jacobs in current, uh, in current best ball ADP? Yeah. So we see Jacobs going at 58.6, uh, just behind Kenneth Walker and just ahead of Derek Henry. Now, one thing that I was looking at there as you were breaking that down for us, was the advanced metrics on Jacobs. And uh, in 2023, you know, there's not a lot to love. Now, some of this you could blame on the team, but very low in yards after contact uh, compared to other years. You know, not very good in the broken or missed tackle regard. Um, As a result, Curtis, you start making this whole picture here and you keep in mind that, yeah, there could be some team stuff, but we're going to be another year down the road. Not looking too great right now for Jacobs, and I think I'd rather have Henry in a best ball uh, draft this year. For, for yeah, for the single year situation. So so this makes Jacobs like Barkley. You you might put him in that same category from a dynasty perspective. Then of wait till they sign, wait for the hype to build, and then mm-hmm. sell. Yep. Um, because because once once they sign, it's just going to be okay. This guy's the new savior of the team. All of a sudden, yeah, they're going to be a you know thirteen fourteen hundred total yard back, whatever. That makes but, me think of something. Yeah. This is kind of unrelated, but do you remember there was a point in like Shady McCoy's career where he was just like way past the point where he'd been good, 
but he ends up on a new team and then you still see them like him getting put up on graphics as if it's like this big thing but it's like this is like a you know a shell of the player that we saw years ago now we're not there with jacobs yeah but it's the point of like just you get some of these guys that had a big name in a new uniform and you're just going to start to see this coverage of them like it's this big deal yeah, I mean, we still had playoff Lenny coverage in Buffalo this year. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is, if you have enough highlights, man, yeah. if you have enough highlights, it just doesn't die until you, until you retire. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think right now, without knowing the the landing spot, I'm probably, I'm probably out on on Jacobs there in favor of Henry for redraft purposes, like you said. Now in Dynasty, he's way more expensive than Henry. Still, now he's four years younger, yeah. or three three years and change younger. Yeah. But he, he's still going at a sixth round startup ADP in in one QB format, sixty seven overall. That puts him right behind Ty J Spears, uh, and right in front of Javante Williams. I don't know that that's necessarily unfair. Yeah, it feels but I guess right. Like, it, it feel, like positionally, it feels okay. But I, I think, you know, and this is something that Sean and I try to do in our dynasty rankings is, and it's why I think tiers are important. You know, I don't know that I see a lot of a difference between the dynasty value of, of Jacobs and Najee Harris and Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon. Those guys are all going three rounds later. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and so this, this is where I almost would just probably totally flip where I've got my tight ends and, and wide receivers versus what we're seeing in this DLF ADP here. I think that's the value of, you know, that's the value of our dynasty rankings at, at Rotoviz uh, is, is those tiers and, and the way that Sean and I play the game um, being ahead of the cliffs on some of these, these running backs and, and being will, willing, more willing to put them where they should be a little more quickly. Um, to be fair, if we were going to look at, this, this is ADP we're talking about, this is community valuation of players. If I was to pull up Ryan's rankings, I'm quite sure they would be a lot closer to what I'm talking about. For sure, for uh, sure. Ryan's a pretty sharp guy. Yeah, yeah. So I, they would probably emulate a, a lot closer to what uh, Sean and I have than the community ADP here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk Tony Pollard. We got Pollard and Swift left. You're going to cover Tony. Sure. So Pollard, you know, big disappointment for me last year, but I digress here. Uh, we did see him finish as an RB1 in 41% of games, which was actually seven weeks last year, beating his total of six from uh, 2022, did play one more game last year. Uh, the big difference, Curtis, that you saw from Pollard last year in comparison to other years was he was number nine in expected points per game, but number 126 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Now, we could actually spin this as a good thing because, as we've talked about before, this is normally... Can you still hear me? My mic was doing something weird. Okay. This is normally uh, something that we will see regress um, because it tends to uh, kind of correct itself in the following year. Now, that said, Curtis, um, you know, I think for Pollard, maybe more so than some of these other guys, this landing spot I think is going to be pretty important because he does not have as much cachet as some of these other players perhaps. And I think that um, that's going to impact how other dynasty managers view this player. And then also maybe the organization that he goes to is not going to be as inclined to take him in and say, this guy is going to be our RB one. Now that we've got to get all that work than they would say with like a Saquon or a Jacobs. Um, so 
Pollard, uh, you know, the the other thing that you would like to be able to point to a little bit more are some of the advanced metrics that you go in and you look at. Now, he was pretty good last year in broken tackle uh, rate, which is something that has been a component of his game. Uh, but overall, you know, not too much standing out to me um, as as anything that looks like it's a reason to still remain really high on Pollard, which perhaps pains you to hear as one of the first people in the whole industry that was in on him. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, it's, it's a little painful, but I mean, we've, we've already, we've done, you know, plenty of victory laps on Pollard. He, he far outperformed his career expectation, uh, uh, for, for us and, and certainly for, you know, the people that, that weren't early on him. So, you know, we, we've already, we've, we've won, uh, we've won this battle on Pollard. So I, yeah, I think he's going to be landing spot. He's going to really be landing spot sensitive. I mean, I think he's not going to find the money that he's probably looking for. So is he willing to, to take the right type of adjustment to fit on a team where, you know, he can truly be, you know, in, in a committee, Um, you know, some, a sneaky team, you know, a couple of sneaky teams that I could think of that, you know, maybe would have a, a pretty even rotation where, you know, he could carve out some value kind of return to some of that utilities of pass catcher that we got away from a little bit last year. You know, the Buccaneers mentioned that Rashad White touched the ball too much last year. Um, and there's actually some skill set overlap. They could use those two backs pretty interchangeably uh, in Tampa. I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, you know, you could also see a situation where, you know, maybe the Bills want to bring in a player that's got some big game experience, but they don't have to pay a lot for to kind of give James, James Cook, um, keep to, to continually manage James Cook's workload because you know again they are similar types of players James Cook of course smaller than than Pollard but you know he may have been maxed out on his volume last year and if they want to maintain you know what they saw from him especially late in the year after the coordinator change bringing in another player that could take you know hey eight to ten touches a game still be efficient and feel like they don't have to change the offense those are a couple of situations that weren't listed by NFL.com but I think a player like Pollard 
might find himself having to figure out which committee do I want to be part of rather than getting, you know, that bell cow type uh, contract. All right. Where's Pollard going in, in underdog right now? So he is going at uh, 78.3, which makes him the 23rd running back off of the board behind Eckler and ahead of Joe Mixon and James Connor. All right. So he's actually going earlier in dynasty from a positional standpoint than he is in redraft. So he's RB 19 in dynasty still in this DLF ADP uh, 79.5 overall there. So is going a little bit later uh, from an overall uh, point of view there. He's sandwiched between Ramondre Stevenson and DeAndre Swift, who is the next back that we're going to talk about in dynasty. I would rather have, Ramondre, um, it's a coin flip, but I think with the scheme changes coming to New England, there's a chance that we get like one year of three down Ramondre. And I don't think that we see three down Tony Pollard ever again. Mm. So I, I would take my chances on on Ramondre there. And I think, you know, having him even here with DeAndre Swift makes sense, but there's a couple guys behind him that I would just rather have straight up. I'd rather have David Montgomery and dynasty than Tony Pollard. I'd rather have Najee Harris and dynasty than Tony Pollard. So again, it's this, you know, whole, whole importance of tears uh, dynamic that I want to draw attention to again, anything else out there? Do you want to talk about Swift? No, let's talk about Swift. All right. So DeAndre Swift still just 25 today. seems like he's been in the, it the really does. For, it really <laughs> does. For a decade, but he, you know, actually he's only played four seasons. It's just seems like it's taken forever. Um, so, so Swift, he, here's the thing. So he, he went to <laughs> Philadelphia, which was, it was supposed to be this smash spot for him. And, you know, he basically was just still the same guy that he's always been, um, which is, which is fine. He wasn't, he wasn't worse. And he showed that he could play in another system and still produce but we didn't see the big step forward and it really should have been there for him. Now the Eagles ended up having some kind of surprising offensive woes as the season went on. There's some issues with the line. The, the offense was really out of sync. They seem to be missing Jonathan Gannon there. Um, Jalen Hurts was playing hurt uh, at times. And so I think that changed the, the threat of the run from him, which also changed the dynamic of their running game for the backs uh, when there's not the same type of, I guess, fear of the RPO. So, th I mean, there's some layers there, but I mean, basically none of those were potential advantages when he was in Detroit. You know, he's, you know, just part of a traditional committee there. And and we, we basically just saw the same. I mean, every single year of his career, he scored between 193 and 210 PPR. So we're, we're talking about a, a, a spectrum of basically a difference of one point per game uh, if you extrapolate to a full fantasy season in each of those years, the good news for Swift is he did play in 16 games. Uh, that that was the most games of his career. And Dave DeAndre Swift was actually fifth amongst all running backs in rushing yards last year. I would have not. That is a bar bet I would lose. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I would not if I was going to name the top five uh, running backs by rushing yards from last year. It would have taken me a while to get to Swift. I think for sure. Uh, but at the same time. You know, it was his first season of negative fantasy efficiency. Now, he only was, you know, minus 1.7 points. He didn't, you know, have minus 30, minus 40, like we've seen from some of these other players. He was essentially a neutral back. But what that tells us is, you know, basically any, you know, 
he's basically replaceable <laughs> uh, from an efficiency perspective. He was 23rd in expected points per game, 24th in PPR per game. Again, that marriage of those two metrics makes sense in the context that I just laid out. He was actually 14th in RB opportunities, his carries plus targets. So he had a meaningful role. He was just 23rd at the position in yak perception. Um, and he was just RB 27 in team target percentage. And so that, that was, you know, a bit of his calling card there in Detroit. We didn't see that replicated in Philly. So he was making up for some of that loss receiving production on the ground. When you look at his season through the lens of the weekly stat explorer, he did post five RB one weeks, but those all came between week two and week 11. And from week 12 through week 17, he was actually an RB3 every week except for our, uh, uh, week 16 when he was just an RB2. So the back recency bias is not going to be kind <laughs> to DeAndre Swift. He might have helped a lot of best ball teams get to the best ball playoffs, and he certainly let many of them down. Um, so I'm interested to hear what his early uh, underdog ADP is, and then you know I will talk about his dynasty ADP. Yeah, well, I had to navigate to page two. And then I had to do some looking. He's going at 101.3 as the 31st running back off the board, going behind Jalen Warren and ahead of Chase Brown. Now, I think that puts him in a range, Curtis, where he's he's devalued enough that uh, I could see myself drafting him uh, because you know he has shown that he has what it takes to be a usable fantasy player in the context of a best ball league, you know, it's possible he lands in a spot where you get enough usable weeks from him that he's actually a little bit of uh, you know, I don't know if value is the right word, but that you're getting a nice return from where you're drafting him because where you're going to be taking him, you know, your opportunity cost of doing so is not that great. And I, I think that we could see him potentially land somewhere because I don't think he's going to be demanding as much on the market as some of these yeah. other backs. And perhaps he ends up on one of these teams that, uh, you know, is fairly good on offense, but doesn't need him as much, uh, you know, as some of these other running back needy teams. Yeah, I think some of the things I was talking about for Tony Pollard, I mean, in some ways, DeAndre Swift was the Tony Pollard of last year's um, pre-agent class. Yeah. Um, and, and that he just didn't have enough of like, he wasn't profiling for anybody as a three down, um, you know, workhorse. And so, you know, he, he signed a very team-friendly deal to be there in Philly. So he's shown that he wants to win. He's also shown that he's not going to, you know, really try to negotiate. I, I could see Swift sneakily gaining some redraft value and some dynasty value over the next month. Like, if, if he was smart, you know, he, his agent will position that, hey, he's played in two different schemes. You know, he, he was a top five rusher in the NFL last year. He only, you know, I, I think his, I, I want to say his salary was less than $2 million, um, if I recall. I would have to pull up his spot track, but um, it was a very low deal. Swift would be wise to sign quickly. Um, just sign quickly, take a team-friendly deal, and, you know, he may, you know, bet on himself again and then, and then find himself in a, 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 you know, a re-sign year-over-year type situation, you know, it would be, I would really like to see Swift take the Jarek McKinnon role um, in, yeah. in Kansas city. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. You know, we, he wouldn't have to do a lot. You know, they got Pacheco down there running around like crazy. Um, but we've seen some, you know, just huge performances from Swift or from uh, McKinnon over the past couple of years at times. And, you know, that would position Swift to have 
several games a year where, you know, things could really be sunny for him and for his fantasy managers. And he could extend his career, you know, by a bit uh, in a, in a situation like that, that would, that would be a pretty cool team fit. And uh, I think it would mesh well with what he does best and brings to the table. Okay. So from a dynasty perspective there, and then we'll get to your thoughts here. He's going to RB 20. Uh, he's between, he's right after Tony Pollard, right in front of David Montgomery. Uh, he's a year younger than either of those players. Um, all, I mean, all three of them are, are role players at, at this point. I think it's Montgomery probably should command more value than either of the other two, just because we've seen him do well in his team situation. Uh, and we don't know what the team situation for the other two guys is going to be. But again, I think all of these guys are tiered up from where they should be in Dynasty currently. Yeah, and when you read that off in Dynasty, um, I didn't didn't feel like too strong of a reaction to where they're going. Um, you know, I think they're kind of at the point where it's a little bit matter of preference. But I think the the larger takeaway here is that we're looking at these guys now differently than we have in the past. And I don't think that even if we see them land in what looks to be a very favorable spot, that we should really prop them up too much, maybe with the exception of something like a Swift in Kansas City, like you mentioned. Um, but these are things, you know, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, I think that these are going to be important situations to track because if you have gaps, for example, on a dynasty roster that you're looking to fill, I'm not sure that you're doing it with a running back this year. Um, and then, you know, if you can get ahead of identifying which one of these guys you like, you know, now is probably, uh, a t well, you know, maybe you've got to think about when you're actually going and getting these guys into your best ball portfolio. Some of them, if you like these guys a little bit more and they're higher up, you know, maybe you're waiting until the rookies start getting picked and they push, push them back. So now's not the time to yeah. be getting heavily invested in one of these. So, you know, I think that this is a good conversation. Hopefully it sheds some light and gets people thinking there about how they're going to start to address some of these situations. Uh, Cause you know, we, we got a while now before the season, but it starts to come quicker than you expect. Uh, you know, every passing day. <laughs> I know, man. Uh, I know we'll, we'll, we'll blink and it'll be, uh, we'll all be drafting in the Scott fishbowl here in the summer or something. Yep. It's just going to pass so quickly. Um, we are going to be back later this week. We're going to we, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and uh, this exercise. We're going to do the same for the wide receivers. Couple interesting names there uh, to to have in the back of your mind. Be thinking about Gabe Davis, Michael Pittman, Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, Hollywood Brown, and we got a mystery player too. Um, that's a, a maybe a level below those guys, but that we think that in the right team landing spot could could regain a lot yes. of value and have a lot of utility. So that, that'll be fun. And maybe he's from my favorite college football team. So we'll, <laughs> we'll talk more about that here uh, in the next day or two. Thanks for joining us on the show. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 